No driving gloves. We're a combination of gearheads. John, the instigator. Derek, the conservator. Will, the builder. Sean, the racer. And maybe a guest. Invite you to listen while they sit down, have a drink, and discuss cars. Learn more and subscribe to the podcast at No Driving Gloves. Time now for the ride. And we're sorry we're late. Some We're actually on. Yeah. Some producer accidentally, well, (laughs) didn't hit broadcast. So we've had a wonderful conversation about my microphone will be hosting the show. Mm-hmm. We had a total practice run, and yes. it, the intro is still going to be horrible. And it, it's it was very actually it was very good the first time around, but it's really hard to be that spontaneous again. I was saying there's some bits of news that I want to hit on this week. I think Derek's got some announcement that I don't have. Well, he told me in a text he's got an announcement. I don't have a clue what he's talking about. There's wow. the text. And um, then if we're going to, and this is how I realized we weren't recording, is uh, we're going to probably talk about some of the things that absolutely should not be on an automobile um, or or stupid things on an automobile. You know, last week we touched on tire pressure sensors and things like that. But coffee pots in the car probably shouldn't be you know, they shouldn't make a 12 volt coffee, coffee pot that brews in your cup holder. Yeah, not a coffee pot, but definitely a cappuccino machine. That, yeah, we can do a cappuccino machine because yeah. that's going to totally distract you. Mm-hmm. And there was actually something I read that basically in the UK now, you can't touch your cell phone <laughs> if you're, uh, um, what do I want to say? Driving? Driving. <laughs> I mean, you're not allowed to unlock it. You're not allowed to operate any apps. You're not allowed to send text messages. You're not allowed to take accept phone calls. Uh, you're, you know, basically, I think if you can't do it through like Apple CarPlay or um, Android Auto or Bluetooth, and, and, yeah, Android Auto, you um, are SOL. You know, I don't think you could even listen to podcasts. You couldn't hear our gorgeous voices because you would be actively using an app to listen. So I don't know. I don't well, I don't live in the UK. I don't I obviously mean, don't want to move that far east and I don't want to move to California West. So here's the thing. Like they make breathalyzer tests to put in cars for those who have been charged with DUIs. And if you blow any you know, anywhere on the system or on the, the scale, there it is. That's what I'm looking for. The car won't start. We got to be able to figure out some kind of technology where the car won't start. If your phone is not actively plugged into a hands-free unit, I mean, we can do it with an alcohol tester, breathalyzer tester. We should be able to do it somehow with a phone. The issue comes there. And this is what happened in the U S I don't care about issues. It uh, it only affects the driver. What if your passenger needs to u- utilize the phone? What if your passenger wants to enter information into the GPS, which I guess you can't use now because, you know, you would be actively using an app. But if your passenger wants to use a phone, that's where it gets confusing because I don't think our technology's smart enough to know which is which. Unless we all do what Volvo does and some of the new car companies – and we only can start our cars through the phone and the phone that we use to start the car is the one that, you know, then it deactivates itself and it goes into a car mode. So you just get a burner phone to start your phone or start your car and then you just have your regular phone to use while you're driving. Well, I, I had thought that one through too, but, you know, it might work in the UK, but we're talking to Americans here. <laughs> a lot of us are... <laughs> You know, we're, we're too lazy to swing down that aisle at the old Circle K and pick up a phone. <laughs> uh, Jason likes the coffee pot idea. It does ex- exist, Jason. We were talking about it in one of my uh, um, computer meetings, computer sales meetings that somebody was saying, oh, it'd be great. To, and I, I came up with two or three of them because I knew they existed. Toby wants a key. I don't know. Yeah, but a key is not going to deactivate your phone. See, stoop. That would also probably then fall into that 
last half of the show, stupid things that are on our cars. Keys. Um, okay. No, having oh. to start your car via your phone or via an oh, app, okay. which when 4G cellular service goes away, your car won't start now. So, <laughs> you know, actually, Toby's right. I think maybe I can extrapolate what Toby is trying to say here. He's saying if we would just go back to old fashioned keyed ignitions, all of the people that can't seem to get off their phones probably wouldn't be able to figure out how to start their car because there was no push button to start the car. They'd actually have to figure out how to put the key in and, and turn it and they'd be too busy on their phone to make it happen. That would that's be what like Toby's actually trying to say. That would be like the videos where they're showing uh, kids nowadays or, you know, teenagers nowadays and they give them a rotary phone. It's yeah, ex that's exactly <laughs> it. That is exactly it. It'd be like those really bad, like late night QVC infomercials, you know, where like, you know, the you know, do you have problems opening your Tupperware? And the guy's like trying to reef it open. He falls on the floor and breaks his arm and, you know. Yeah, I, of course, it has absolutely nothing to do with cars, but I think the last time I watched QVC or one of those home shopping networks, I'm not going to necessarily throw QVC under the bus. They were selling a watch and it was like $289 or something or 18 easy payments of $46.50 or however they worked it. And there were only 500 of these watches. They were displaying on the screen like watch number 186. They only had 832 of them sold, and they still had like seven minutes to go in the presentation. Something didn't add up there to me. No. Sold 832 mm -hmm. of a group of 500. 500. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Intriguing. I was never good at math. Our, our, we're, you're not a gamer, are you, Derek? No. I'm not a gamer either. I don't understand this. Maybe somebody can justify it to me. Maybe one of our listeners can justify it. I'm going out. I'm spending a thousand bucks on a PS5. So I can buy Gran Turismo 7 for 70 bucks. So I can play the game. If I want a car other than the standard car, I have to pay for it. And they range anywhere from $5 to $200. And people who play Gran Turismo 7 are kind of upset about that. Would you kind of be pissed, Derek, if you bought, if you've, you've, not, you've got $1,100 into a game system without taxes? And now you've got to spend $200. And it's a car I know you would want to drive. It's like a 29 Mercedes something. You're like totally in awe oh i thought there was more i'm sorry no I was there, you never really wrapped up your question i didn't no, feel like the, you the wrapped up was, the question it would be a car that you'd want to drive uh it's a 29 mercedes-benz uh barker tour and that car the co comparison i have is 160 pounds which at yesterday's exchange rate came up to about 220 dollars um do you i don't understand that uh, I can understand earning credits and points and having to buy the car. I can understand, you know, a dollar or two to buy a car, but all of a sudden this landscape, you know, I've, I've been exposed to, and I've talked to many people over, well, the last year, um, you know, selling computers that their job is they create worlds. They create, a neighborhood in Sims or they create this and whatever, and then they sell it to somebody else. It's virtual property they're owning or they rent it to somebody else. I guess, is this part of that? I mean, you have to throw about 18 different half-assed questions at you. <laughs> I have literally no idea what we're talking about because I'm not a gamer. It all sounds really stupid to me. But I'm sure to a gamer, it all sounds really exciting, John. All I can think is $1,100 plus, you know, $200, $1,300, $1,500 keeps adding up. 
I can buy a lot of uh, stuff that I need for my cars uh, with that money. Matter of fact, I bet you I could find a car that I could buy for $1,500 that I could go out and drive and enjoy. So um, it all sounds really dumb. I think we did that at the beginning of the pandemic. We all figured out how to spend our uh, assistance checks or whatever the government sent out. And I still couldn't find something for, what was it, $1,200? I had I chose a watch. <laughs> yeah, but that's because you're so picky on cars. You got to have these fancy things that are nice, and you won't drive a beater, so. No. I haven't told you what happened to the Mini. Uh, maybe that'll be after your announcement. Uh-oh. Um, John's got an announcement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan, back in 88, 89... I was cruising Main Street or out driving or whatever, shifting gears in the CRX or my B2000 or whatever, usually chatting on the phone, drinking a Mountain Dew and smoking a cigarette. So manual transmissions aren't going to keep you off the phone. And we didn't have hands-free. We had those, you know, I had a big phone. I had one mounted in the car. I had a bread box phone. I had all, you know, I went through all, (laughs) went through phones like I did, uh, cars new phone every year or new phone every eight or nine months but yeah so i don't think manual transmissions are the the answer there let's see what other little things uh, i'll save that one until after so why did we get on the gaming thing again? well i just why wanted to ask there? that um, question if anybody had an opinion if you think it um is Stupid, yes. Yeah, stupid or reasonable or whatever it is. And my guess is that, you know, that's probably, they're probably paying with Bitcoin, which I don't understand that either. So I'm an old fuddy-duddy. That's what I'm saying. And I I love the headline that came out this morning. Uh, Mark Green even had it on his Facebook page and some other places that we have the highest market cap globally of with U.S. car makers at over $1 trillion in car companies. And remember, we I think we really only have three American car companies, General Motors, Ford, and Tesla. And uh, what is it? G- uh, somewhere I had the number, but GM only ha- is worth, uh, let's see here. Ford has six, it's basically world, uh, is valued at $67 billion. General Motors um, is valued at $64 billion. And we only have three American car companies, really, because Stellantis is now kind of foreign. Mm-hmm. Tesla puts us in the lead because they're valued at $958.67 billion as of whenever this study was done. Running a close second is Toyota at $237 billion. I just, I can't. What is the test, justification test. for that value? Yeah. How, how do you, how is Tesla valued at a trillion dollars? I mean, to hell with everybody else. 958.67 rounds to a trillion. Um, we don't even need to worry about Ford and GM. Yeah. Uh, then that's kind of a question I have too. I, you know, I don't want to get into a lot of Tesla talk and that and Tesla fanboys and, the Tesla jump from this week that was all over social media until the one guy that filmed the most of it, uh, copyrighted his YouTube and then donated all the money to the guy who Subaru got totaled. Um, but I, I, I'm just, again, I'm at a loss. There's, there's no way. I mean, if Toyota's worth less than a quarter trillion and Tesla's worth damn near a trillion, Toyota builds six or seven more cars than Tesla. Oh, Jason, it's really easy to buy a Tesla. You go to Tesla.com and you order one. If it can't yeah. be, if you can't have a delivery in your state, you just have to drive a state over. It's not that hard to get a Tesla. <laughs> it might be a waiting list right now. And you have to deal with the fact that supposedly Tesla, the reason they can still build cars is they're repurposing microchips and chips that were supposed to go to redundant systems are being used for primary systems now. So uh, something like 
something in the steering. They have a primary system. And in case that fails, there's a redundant system to take over. Well, they're using the microchips out of that redundant system to go into the primary system. So if your steering fails now, you don't have any backup. Yeah. Uh, or cares? so I read. And the nice thing is Mercedes-Benz announced this week um, when their cars go autonomous driving, basically self-driving cars, they somehow they beat Tesla and Mercedes-Benz has agreed to accept all liability for any accidents while a car is in self-driving mode. I do not think that's a good idea. <laughs> Every did lawyer, they say, but did they say when they're going to be bringing their self-driving systems out? It's 2023 or 2024. Mm -hmm. They must be pretty darn sure of themselves. Um, every lawyer I know, every, and every accident lawyer I know, I can't wait to actually hear a couple of the podcasts I listen to and um, the lawyer's comment there. You go after the guy with the most money. I mean, you sue everybody. You sue the dealership that sold it. You sold, sue, the, sue the salesman. You sue the guy driving. You sue the manufacturer. And when you now are, now they're saying, we're to accept all liability. I think they're, they're hopefully they have a new legal team on staff. So that, that, and I'm going to save that other piece of news till later in the show. Saving news for later in the show. Well, right. we're teasing you. What happened to the mini? What's the later? Uh, what's the. Such a tease. Do, 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 do. So. This really is turning into no driving gloves after dark. You're such a tease. Oh, yeah. I got my pink grapefruit drink, too. I better not put a label on. Yeah, no, no advertising. Yeah. From Aldi or Aldi. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I've heard it both ways. The guy that goes through and shows us all the discounts on YouTube um, pronounces it either way. And he even had a show about it, but he seems, seems to pronounce it each way. So... So why are we talking about grocery stores? Hey, we're talking about overvalued businesses and stuff. Oh, okay. Tell us what you got going on, Derek. Absolutely nothing. <sighs> Sounds about right. Other than little kids turning down your microphone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But hey, it didn't matter anyway, because somebody didn't hit the broadcast button. So, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. So, well, you teased everyone, John, was saying that I had uh, I actually had something to say tonight and that I wasn't just going to sit on here and be pretty on the, the camera and not talk. So um, so for anyone that's not in the Corvette community or somewhat, you know, anyone that's not um, on the National Corvette Museum uh, email list of members, donors, all those wonderful folks that we have out there. Um you know, we try to keep the show light, so if I, I get a little um, less than light, I apologize. Um, but I uh, have announced my resignation from the Corvette Museum. So um, I will be departing there. My last day will be April 8th. Um, it was an extremely difficult decision to make, um, but it was a decision for those uh, two little kiddos that turned my microphone down at some point and uh, led to a very confusing pre-show <laughs> tonight on the, on the podcast. But um, yeah, um, it's uh, it's yeah, I've been, I've been, as John knows, and, and a lot of our listeners know um, I've been uh, I'm coming up on uh, basically 20 years in the automotive museum uh, career. And uh, I've been working pretty hard. Uh, at building that career. And uh, I've, 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 I, I like to think that I've, I've been fairly successful in what I've done. And uh, it's now time to step back for a minute and raise some kiddos up and uh, make sure they have the life they need and, uh, you know, see that that's done. And, uh, but I'm not, I'm not leaving the automotive museum field. Uh, I actually, accepted a, uh, curator position, 
at the Lane Motor Museum uh, down in Nashville. So I will be um, still in the museum field, just not at that senior management director of collections level. Uh, I'm going to go back to, you know, just the curatorial role and, you know, working with collections hands-on and, uh, you know, having a little more time dedicated at home to the kiddos. And you're going from, I want to say very mainstream car to very eccentric cars primarily, which is kind of your specialty. Yeah. I mean, I like to think that, you know, my specialty is, you know, automotive history in the history of technology, um, which my degree is actually in the history of technology. Um, and, you know, I grew up around Corvettes. I grew up in a GM family, as everyone on this show or that listens to the podcast know, knows. Uh, and, you know, my dad was and, and still is a, you know, fiberglass guy. I mean, he he was one of the key Corvette guys at every dealership he worked at. I grew up working on him. Um, but, you know, I certainly would say that my passion my my deepest passion in in automotive history is um some of the quirkier things and more oddball things and uh, that might have even showed at the corvette museum you know some of my favorite cars in the collection there were uh, you know the two-rotor corvette that we were able to bring in the uh, experimental xp 987 gt from 1973 and um you know some of the the really one-off stories um within the corvette you know, world Gulf two, the, the 1963 Z06 race car, the one millionth Corvette, um, you know, bringing in an exhibit or putting together and curating an exhibit that's there now called Corvette powered, where it's everything in there has Corvette engines, but not a single car in there is a Corvette, uh, you know, the Bitsarinis and the ESOs. Um, I like making those ties to the, um, lesser known stories in automotive history. So, um, I definitely think it is somewhere where I'll, um, yet again, you know, be able to tell some really great stories and shine some light on, uh, some unique cars in history. So, oh, I wanted to point out to, uh, listeners of the show, we've actually talked about the Lane Museum twice on the show. And, uh, and honestly, Derek, unfortunately wasn't present for either one of them, uh, back on episode 48, there's, a uh, Zara and the Lane. Uh, that was an episode that I visited the Lane with uh, a previous relationship. And we kind of discussed our visit and some of the things we saw there. And I know I complained about a couple of things that may have been on display. And then uh, about 100 episodes later on episode 135, we had the crazy cars of uh, the crazy cars of Jeff of the Jeff Lane Motor Museum or the Lane Motor Museum. So you can go to the website, nodrivinggloves.com, type in Lane, and definitely listen to ep episode 135. We really get into talking about some of the eccentric cars that Jeff has, and it's a really, really a cool place. What I was saving for after your discussion here, because I lied to people, I actually knew kind of what was going on. Um, do, do you guys have one of these... Um, corvettes where did it go yeah the zr1 prototypes with the lotus active suspension haven't we talked about that on the show john we might have i can go back you want me to see if i can find it in an episode so i can plug I, you know honestly in? honestly i don't know if we we talked about it or not but yes during my um during my tenure at the uh, museum i was able to um, work with a family that, um, donated not only one of the active suspension cars, but also snake Skinner two, which was the show car, um, version of the snake Skinner Corvette. Um, so yes, uh, we, the NCM does have one of the active suspension ZR ones in the collection. Okay. I was just asking because it seems one has popped up for sale. Yes, uh, yep. yes, it has. Um, actually, one that is nearly it's it's again one of the show cars, not one of the the test cars. If if it's the same one I saw, maybe about a week or two ago, um, that's probably still up for sale. Um, 
and because uh, there there was a little difference in some, some of the some of them were full on test cars and had a lot more test equipment built into the dashes and the some of the show cars were really put together to look like a full production car um, that could be out on a show circuit and people really wouldn't notice too much difference other than some of the design styling changes. Um, so yes, uh, the one you see for sale, which is black, um, is nearly identical to the one that's now in the Corvette museum collection. Yeah. They plug it as one of only three known surviving prototypes, but it is going by your description. It looks um, more like one of the show cars. It doesn't have any additional. Well, they were all, they were all prototypes, so they're not wrong there. Yeah, there were no production cars ever. They they never brought them out for sale, consumable sale to the public. So, and uh, yeah, so um, yeah, but I guess, um, uh, you know, to kind of wrap that up um, or wrap up this discussion in some form or fashion, if you can tell, I have a hard time talking about this decision. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's been an amazing uh, run at the Corvette Museum uh, the five years I was there. And um, I'm not sure if uh, Dan, who listens regularly, uh, just he was on earlier, if he decided to just go away for this or uh, if he's just not commenting. But Dan is one of my uh, talented staff at the museum. And uh, it's, as they all know, it's been a very tough decision, but um, nothing has been more difficult than um, the unexpected um, goodbye that was given to me by Corvette blogger um, the other night. So um, to all my friends at the Corvette blogger group, um, I appreciate it. And uh, you know, it's, it's been great and I'm not going far and I still plan to be involved at the Corvette museum in one way or another. So. Well, you were involved with them before your tenure there and, um, you have a tendency to probably leave on better terms than I do with jobs. So <laughs> I was just thinking, do I need to figure out how to run up to the Corvette museum by April 8th or <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think everybody will be all right, except for Jason. He um, will no longer get any discounts anywhere and will actually pay um, double admission anytime he visits. Well, he's got to make up for all those free things at the Stingray Bar and Grill or Stingray Cafe or whatever you guys call it now. Stingray Grill. Come on, man. Get it right. Hey, I got it. I just threw out a whole bunch of words. It was bar. It, it was grill. It does, have a, it does have a great bar. So if you're in Bowling Green, swing by, have a drink, some great drinks there. Here's the cool thing. I'm no, if Once I'm no longer employed there, I can actually drink at the bar. never thought of that they've got stupid rules you should be able to take off your corvette museum logos and well and as long there. as we're not as long as we're not on the clock we can drink but go in there the with clock, your viper t-shirt on and um enjoy a beverage nah go in there with a ford thunderbird shirt on <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably even better <laughs> uh some of the listeners will get that like i said i i think dan ran away so uh and maybe he'll come back. Unfortunately, he missed all of it. Or he can pick it up. You know, you can listen to this audio or, I mean, you can listen to it all, all you want on YouTube or Facebook. No driving gloves. Or the audio is going to be available in approximately two weeks on your favorite podcast catcher. Uh, <laughs> There's probably, Dan. He's back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, We shouldn't be using words like that on the uh, podcast, Dan. Um, Why not? They hacked us the last three shows. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're participating. So. <laughs> Turns out we're huge in Russia. <laughs> so. Well, I'm going to say long story short, <clears throat> and it's turned out to be a long story because my incident happened prior to the show last Wednesday. <clears throat> and <clears throat> the car has yet to make it to the shop. Um, dude, I don't, I, I don't know. Hopefully it gets there tomorrow. It'd be really nice to find out. But the mini encountered 
best way I can put it is if you remember the scene in um, Risky Business with the U-boat commander, well, my German car experienced a issue with a lot of water and an idiot. Somebody, I was going through some fairly deep water, but I'm, hell, I've driven through deeper water in a Porsche that has side air intakes and know how to go through water. And the guy in front of me decided to stop and it caused me to have to stop. And the Mini um, decided to turn itself off. So we will find out hopefully by the end of the week if it's totaled or not. Um, which brings up a lot of interesting questions because of it's a ends up going through the insurance and it's a thousand fifteen hundred bucks for them to clean it up and get it to run again. It now has a flood claim mm. and that destroys it on the, the Carfax. Um, if it's a new motor, mm, we're fifteen sixteen thousand dollars in and that's close to a total, but normally they seem to what I've been told is. If you have a flood claim, uh, they total them. I'm kind of hoping that is. Um, I've already been looking at other minis to replace it with. I've actually had a couple on hold, and we'll see where it goes. But my little white mini might be changing. It might stay a white mini. I don't know. But ooh, John, there's a there's a mini E in Nashville. Yeah, unfortunately. Ah. Unfortunately, this happened last Wednesday, and my last day at my present job, my present job, uh, day job thing, is officially Saturday, and Monday I begin a new job. So I will be going in to potentially buy a new car, saying, hey, give me a loan. I only have a week on the job. Uh, so that might affect a couple of my vehicle choices, too. <laughs> So, Welcome to really No Driving don't... Gloves, where we teach you how to not hold a steady job. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it seems to be, I mean, two-thirds of us have had um, car incidents in the last couple of months. <laughs> so I will say the water was probably a lot um, uh, more comfortable of a situation than a concrete culvert. Well, by the time the tow truck got there and everything, um, the rain had stopped. Um, if it was probably more comfortable for me, that's what I'm saying. It was much more comfortable for you than it was for me hitting a concrete culvert. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it was probably more comfortable for me than everybody else going home through rush hour traffic at that time and me blocking a whole half of the intersection. <laughs> oh, that was you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. How long did it take you, Brandy, to like turn around? <laughs> About 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. 15 minutes for an intersection that probably is normally two. <laughs> and I don't know how far back she was. I don't know if she was able to cut the line or, <laughs> but yeah, I'm sorry to everybody, but uh, that's the way the ball goes. So, so I'm going to let I'm, you know, I did really think about that mini E you mentioned, Derek, but the new job's going to require some mileage. Um, obviously, uh, I don't on. care about the premium gas prices. I do care about the mileage on the mini, but that gives me an opportunity to buy a new mini with, you know, a hellacious warranty um, or extended service plan, as CarMax calls it, because I for really next to nothing i can put a hundred and twenty five thousand mile warranty on this thing that's going to cover everything that i'm kind of concerned about um and i'm still looking at low mileage cars so we'll see where we go but that's my kind of thing there so i want to wait i want to jump over to something jason said here because i'm going to take this to work tomorrow with me because he was trying to mention the lime rock drink that is at the uh, stingray grill bar which I've not tried yet, but I've heard everyone that has had it. It's exactly what Jason is saying. It is fantastic. Um, but he, he had a typo and it says, get the like rock drink. Uh, Jason, I'm going to steal that. And I'm going to go in there and uh, suggest that we create a drink that's called like a rock. Cause of course that was Chevy's slogan for a while. So I think we need the lime rock and the like a rock drink. I'm going to, I'm just going to take that into work. And yes, I'll take full credit for it, Jason, not you. Uh, well, let's go ahead and kind of, Jason did correct himself, but. Well, he um, did, yes, but I'm just, I like his typo. What, 
how many drinks did whoever created this have before they go, hey, you know what would be good on a drink is bacon and shrimp? <laughs> I have no idea. I wasn't involved. There's some marijuana. <laughs> now, the studio audience is potentially saying there's other things that may have been involved in the creation of that drink. But see, you're... Um, like rot drink, that could be the vegetarian version where you can put fake bacon on it and fake shrimp, tofu shrimp, bacon and tofu shrimp. Can we move on to talking about cars? <laughs> <laughs> well, you were the one who's talking about breathalyzers in the cars earlier. Kind of uh, goes along point. with it. Good point. Uh, Colin, I don't think you can share pictures in the live comment section. Sorry. Um, mentioned a World War II boot boat. boat. Oh, you were talking about risky business. Oh, well, we were talking about the U boat commander in risky business and the German car that was involved. And as everybody knows, minis are German. Um, no drinking gloves. That, there's the name for our after hour show, Derek. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> but who wears gloves to drink? That's like. Uh, so what stupid things have they put on our cars? We got 23 minutes or so. I'm not saying we have to be done in 23 minutes. But. Stupid things put on a car. Um, you know, our stupid accessories are available. You know, somebody Ford announced yesterday or the day before that they are actually putting video conferencing in their line of electric vehicles. So the Mach-E, the Ford Lightning, and I don't know what else is electric from Ford, but they're putting video conferencing in. Now they never said if it only operates when the vehicle's stationary or whatever, <laughs> but England and their cell phone laws would have a heyday with that one. Do we really need video conferencing in your car? I very rarely refer to my day job, and I've referred to it now three times in the show. I have a Zoom call um, every Tuesday and Thursday at the job that I'm leaving that I usually take in my car. And I can do it on my phone. I'm not moving. Matter of fact, our company policy says you can't drive and... I listen to the company policy. Maybe it's more to milk them out of the money than it is to <laughs> be efficient. But I do just fine without having a screen to video conference and see all my coworkers. And I really don't want them seeing the inside of my car anyway. But, you know, here's here is the problem with that. And, and here is, you know, this stupid. I mean, there's a lot of stupid things that have been put on cars. Um, you know, I mean, really since 1935, we don't really need much after then, in my opinion. Um, but the, the biggest problem I have with stuff like this, where it's like, oh, we're going to put video conferencing in your car. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. All it is, is corporate America. So I'm going to sound so horrible here. <laughs> All it is, is the the kind of you know capitalistic world we live in just trying to squeeze more work out of you that's what it comes down to like let's put video conferencing in your car that way when you're on your way home from work to see your family you can still be working that's that is what this comes down to me and i i'm it's just frustrating it's stupid and it's it's frustrating I'm trying to read this that a noise that uh, goes out during airbag deployment and that creates pressure inside the ear canal so that no damage from noises during the crash. Hmm. We better keep that one quiet or I can see that one becoming government mandated. I mean, why not? Um, it'd be just something else we are forced to put on all our cars and pay an extra three or $400 for the car for not saying that safety is questionable, uh, 
but I don't think we need all the safety stuff that we're required to have on our cars. Tire pressure sensors are my biggest, one of my biggest issues. How many people actually pay attention to them? If you live in a climate where the temperature varies, which most of us do, I mean, not everybody lives in Miami. Um, you you ignore that light all winter because sometimes it's you know your your tires fluctuate pressure. I mean, three four pounds, and sometimes the light comes on, sometimes the light goes off, so we ignore it. And then the people that the lights intended to help, those that don't take time to actually check air pressure in their tires. They're the ones still driving around on flat tires, but just another light on. They probably have the low pressure light on. They probably have the yellow emissions light on and mm-hmm. probably the e-brake lights still stuck on from some time. You know? No, of course, of course. And really, I mean, seriously, what, I mean, who needs a check engine light? I mean, just, psst. Well, nobody understands, you know, you get the yellow one that comes on and it means it's kind of a problem. And then you get it's the red a- one that says, oh, no, you better stop right now. And then when it blinks, you, yeah, that's, yeah. So, and on the mini, it actually just says um, forward, mo- uh, forward motion has ceased. Uh, please contact dealer. <laughs> I'm glad it told me that, but I'm not moving, so I definitely can read it. <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, it's just uh, trying to think of how to phrase this, but, you know, it's, I think it's, it's, and I think we've talked about it on the show before. It's one of the reasons that so many drivers are becoming more and more distracted because of all the stupid technology that has been added to automobiles. And you no longer, I mean, you barely drive a car anymore. You point it down the road and, you know, regulate how fast or slow you're going. That's about all you do anymore. You know, and it's, you know, you just, Everything that's been added has taken away from actually driving an automobile. That's my take on it. I mean, like you said, John, tire pressure sensor, like all this stuff is just like, well, Americans are too dumb to take care of their car. So we're just going to put all these uh, sensors on it to make them uh, okay with it. And here's the thing. I mean, you think about it, you know, and yeah, climate control is nice. Yes, you want to have heat in the winter. Um, air conditioning for a major part of the country is, do you absolutely need it? Probably not. But if you start whittling away at some of these stupid accessories that are in automobiles, electric vehicles would get further with their range because they wouldn't be trying to power all these things with the battery power that is supposed to be dedicated to the electric motors. I'm not going to go with that one. (laughs) Um, Devin comments that um, he has a friend that hates the blind spotlights. I find those interesting. Um, I kind of objected to them until I actually had the bliss system blind spot indicator or something on the Ford vehicles on the Taurus and the edge and that I actually found them helpful and the way they're designing cars now, I can't necessarily say they're not necessary because the mini great. You can see out of it. There's not a blind spot to be had in that car. The Toyota, um, not the Camry. What the heck am Prius? I in? Corolla that I'm Corolla. driving as a rental car because it's so squished and the windows are so tight. It's got blind spots that I mean, I miss elephants in it. You know, it's it's ridiculous. And I have the the Well then it must not have blind spots, John, if you're missing the elephant. <laughs> if it had blind spots, you'd hit the elephant. No, I, I, I really like them. Now they need to figure out how to make everybody's look alike. The Ford's just a little yellow dot. And that's nice to me. Um, I know Honda a couple of years ago, they had something that looked like a car. Um, I drove um, a Toyota Camry the other day that had a blind spot and it had some other figure 
you know, now the dot it might be too simple, but they need to put something, you know, it needs to be this standardized across all cars. I mean, the lights on the dashboard, the check engine, all that are the same. Um, they just, you know, that that's my kind of biggest problem. And what I noticed when I had it um, on my Fords and uh, I would drive, I know I was, well, when I would drive my any of my ex's cars, I would find myself just tooling down the interstate, look at the mirror and uh, no yellow light and make a lane change. I, uh, she's right. It did dumb me down as a driver because I stopped using the mirrors for what they were there for. And I was mm -hmm. looking at them mm -hmm. just for the light. Um, so yeah, I'll agree. It dumbs you down, but I agree. There's, or I'll disagree and say there is a necessity for them anymore with the way they design cars. Well, in some cases, but, you know, and I like Dan's comment here about the parking assist, you know, like parallel parking assist and all that, where the cars will park themselves for you, uh, you know, stupid technology, but um, also maybe good technology. If you're the car that's parked either side of that parallel spot and that person doesn't know how to parallel park, you know, it might be a good thing. Um, but I think, uh, you know, albeit the blind, um, uh, blind spot, you know, indicating system, whatever it is, um, is, you know, it, it creates a, a crutch, if you will, a driving crutch because you're relying on that to, um, tell you what's going on on the flip side of that. And I know we're supposed to be talking about stupid technology, um, don't know who Ark of Fire is. Okay. Um, but I think one of the, the, you know, benefits that have come from some of that, you know, development are now the camera mirrors. So, uh, you know, like the C8 Corvette and some of the, the um, Suburbans and, you know, some of these vehicles have it where, you can either have the rear view mirror as just a rear view mirror, or you can actually turn a switch and it uses the camera at the back of the vehicle to actually create a wider view of what's behind you. That I find very beneficial because there you're not relying on that blind spot indicator of a light, but rather you're actually getting a wide angle camera look at what's going on behind you as you're driving. Um, so I'm going to flip it on its head there, I think. And, you know, I really, I agree. I don't, I think those blind stop spot indicators can be stupid. They become a crutch, but I think the camera technology that's coming out is going to be beneficial. Yeah, um, I know Honda, I had to drive some, a fleet of Odysseys a couple of years back and they had it where you had the blind spot indicator and on the Hondas, they didn't put it in the mirror. They put it inside the A pillar kind of, where the mirror mounts to the door just on the other side of it. You have the blind spot thing there. But if you are one of these people that actually use a turn signal to indicate lane changes, it would also take the video screen and cut it in half and show you, if you're going to the right, it would take the right half of the video screen and show you a view down the side of the car, which <clears throat> first three or four times it did it to me. It really irritated me almost to the point where I stopped using my turn signal to indicate lane changes. But that I think is a nice compromise because you still have the mirrors, you still have, you still get the video and you still have the blind spot detection. You get it all in one. And I say, I don't disagree. I'll go along with everybody here who said that cars are being designed to cater for the distracted driver. But I believe I read this week that the National Highway Safety Trans uh, Transportation Administration has now made it permissible to have no driver controls in the cockpit. So you don't get a steering wheel, you don't get a brake pedal, you don't get a gas pedal, you get a dashboard. Um This is going to some of these new automated taxi services, and I'm sure billion or trillion dollar uh tesla has something to do with that and i still you know it's just a couple of years ago that you still had to have a physical connection between the brake pedal and the master cylinder you couldn't use electronics in there now now of course you can 
but you had to have that. You had to have a solid connection between the steering wheel and the steering box, steering rack, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that went power, you know, decade, 15 years ago or something. So I know we're losing some of these things, but there should, I think there should be some way to take over, you know, take over if the computer makes a mistake. But that's why everything's, you know, catering to the distracted driver, because all it is is R&D for self-driving cars. Exactly. Um, exactly. And that's what Devin just brought up. Minor- he always says minority report style, which is really interesting. I think I brought this up on the podcast uh, possibly very early on or, or somewhere along the way. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, my degree is in the history of technology and Minority Report is actually one of the movies, you know, that during my studies, uh, we actually watched and, and actually read the book as well. Don't forget that Minority Report is based on a book. Um, and, you know, had to write papers on and discuss the, the future technology thoughts that were in it. And of course the whole self-driving car component is there. The whole pod thing that you hear being talked about in the auto industry is flat out in minority report. And I, Bob Lutz came out two or three years ago and said exactly that, you know, it's not going to happen in his lifetime. It's probably not going to happen in my lifetime but those kids that you've taken the new job for, Derek, are probably going to start seeing the beginnings of it. I mean, in two or three years, they're supposed to be self-driving, quote, cabs or Ubers or whatever they're going to be. Uh, so maybe it's actually going to start taking effect. But I think your kids are going to see the transition of, we. I don't care if you're saying petrol-powered cars or electric cars or hydrogen-powered cars, but human activated or human controlled cars will go the way of the horse and only be toys that are used on private playgrounds, i.e. racetracks and, you know, off-road trails and that, because nobody's going to want to insure them. Because once you have this network of pods that are all communicating with each other and, you know, you're going to reduce accidents, you're going to reduce, I mean, things probably still go wrong, but, it's kind of like having the subway in New York, you know? Yeah. It crashes every now and then, but delicious the number, sandwiches, by the way, huh? Delicious sandwiches, by the way, they, uh, really. yeah, I hate yeah. subway. Should we do a subway commercial here too? And see if we can get them on. remember on the old I hope not, site, cause they, they always promoted subway. I, 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 I do not like subway. <laughs> not no. Let's not get them as a sponsor. Mm, okay. Psych, yeah. though, great show. Um, if any of the uh, cast from that show want to come on the podcast, we'd love to have them. I'm, uh, I got the little psych character. The I can't think of the, the main character's name, but I got him as my avatar Sean? on what? Oh, yeah. Uh, one Sean, my, how can you um, forget Sean's name? How? How? Well, I was trying to think of the actor's name, but and I have Gus? His, he's my avatar oh, on Hulu or one of those services that I pay for. Um, and I haven't watched the third movie yet. I need to get around to actually watching the third movie, but that's on one of the station or streaming services I don't pay for. But 2040, Devin B says, I think it'll be a normal thing. Well, that'll put me at 70 years old. Hmm. Nope. If you live that long, John. You're the one driving through flooded roadways. It's not safe. You're not supposed to do it. Yeah, I know. Probably won't ever again. (laughs) I'll sit there and I'll hold up traffic from the other side of the river. (laughs) Well, so did we cover enough stupid technology? I mean, what else? What else is there um, that is stupid technology on really to me? Anything, anything that's going to, well, I don't know. That's. Going down a rabbit hole, we probably don't need to go down. Never mind. <laughs> um, message me, Jason. I, I can't talk about it until Monday. <clears throat> but um, he has a NDA in place. He can't. Um, kind of, sort of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Um, hey, it happens, right? So we can't, you know, there's, there's times that certain people can't talk about things before there's public releases. And well, I guess I'm thinking more, maybe, um, um, an anti-compete, but that too. <laughs> Yeah. So I think we, though, have rolled into potentially next week's topic. And we always talk about automotive history. Let's go ahead and take this pod thing to the next level. And maybe next week, part of the show, we'll discuss the future of the automobile or what will become of the automobile. I mean, we've had a lot of great conversation here, especially when we're talking about some of the stupid stuff and some of the tech that keeps coming. Um, Hate push button start. Um, I like it. This Tercel Camry Corolla that I'm driving, um, it still uses a key and you would not believe how freaking annoying that is. I got to get a key out of my pocket and, you know, I got to unlock it remotely and I got to get a key out of my pocket and put it in the car. Uh, I, no, I like walking up to the car, touching the door handle, opening the door, sitting down, pushing a button and go. Um, but Again, we all know John likes new stuff. <laughs> Derek probably, you know, prefers to go out, you know, set the thr- sparks, set the throttle, you know. Turn the ignition yeah. on, walk yeah. out to the front of the car, yeah. grab the crank. Yeah. Kick the tires. Yeah. That, or, is, that is real driving. Or, or light the um, boiler and, you know, warm it up a little bit. And I don't have any steam cars, John. <sighs> I wish I did. I would say you wish you did, and you would love yeah. to do that, be able to do that. I got I dibs know, Len- on Leno always looks car. so happy when he's lighting his steam cars. I know. Except for that one time one blew up in his face. He didn't look too happy that day. But um, look it up on YouTube. He put it out there. Um, yeah, I got my dibs on an electric car, though. So hopefully one day that'll be in the collection. You can get one of those early, early, early Porsches. <laughs> That would be fantastic. The, uh, um, uh, what was it? Loner? Yeah. Loner Porsche, um, electric hybrids from the, uh, turn of the century. Uh, and I'm talking 1800s to 1900s, not 1990s to 2000. Um, but yeah, no, uh, yeah. 20s era Detroit electric that I, I know of that I'd really like to have in my collection someday. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't mind and- a steam car, steam cars. Um, uh, you know, I've been around them. I've never, well, I drove, <laughs> I drove the rep, the replica of the, uh, 1770 Cugnot, uh, steam car, but I've never actually been behind the wheel of a, um, like a Stanley steamer or anything like that. I gotta, I gotta get that checked off the bucket list. Now all of a sudden there's something I was thinking about that went back to you and early cars and I think the patent motor wagon, but I can't remember the whole story. Ah, the Benz patent motor. Wagon. But to answer Jason's question, uh, the reason Will's not here is because, well, Will's shutting his business down. <laughs> no, um, it Will's. Working no, he's his, not. He's not. He's working his freaking butt off and tra- hauling cars all over the country. I can't remember. Is he on his way to California or, uh, Honestly, somewhere I, out west. I don't know, but he's yeah. He he's working all the time. Um, he's taking that damn impala everywhere. And the problem is he keeps bringing home more stuff because it keeps winning awards. So I'm I'm not gonna we we give Will a big free pass when he needs to miss an episode. Besides, Derek and I have this great repertoire and distraction and when i remember to push broadcast i mean everybody loves it when it's just me and john boom but i'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up um like i said we might talk about the future of the automobile next week no promises um i will be out of my studio next week so hopefully we can put this all together and do a broadcast uh, see how it goes from a hotel room but we're still intending to be here uh, I won't have my RE320. I'll be back onto uh, Audio Technica or Samsung mic. But we'll be we'll be here. We'll chat with you. Future of the automotive thing. Uh, future of the future the of the automotive landscape, if you will. That's a good one. And I all of a sudden got the artwork going through my head. Boom. No driving gloves.com. 
you know, buy us a coffee there, find back episodes, uh, find links to all the videos. All the videos are actually on that site too. Uh, so check it out. The videos are more up to date than the audio episodes. Uh, for those of you audio listeners, I appreciate you putting up with this every three day release as we catch the audio shows back up. And with that, I'm out of here. Crushing it. Yeah, I better push stop to let's see here. Yeah. End broadcast. See, you couldn't figure out how to start it. End it. Chat with you guys later.